in the 21st century Hard-working people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Glenn is a CPA with Sickich. And this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by TractorZoom, delivering insights. If you're looking for a great place to see what's going on in the auction market and just track overall trends year over year, not a better place on earth to look than TractorZoom's Iron Comp. So if you uh, check that out and it's something that you are interested in doing, if you use Moving Iron at, uh, at uh, checkout, you'll get yourself a nice little discount. So... Glenn is uh, in East Peoria, Illinois here, and he's uh, nice enough to come on and talk about what's going on in the world of taxes, and there has been no lack of things going on, Glenn, and we have, uh, you sent me some uh, slides here of a presentation that you put together, and and, uh, it is chock full of stuff. I guess, where do you want to start first? Do you want to take a look at this employee retention credit, or do you want to talk PPP, or where, where do you want to start first, Glenn? Yeah, no, let's, let's start with PPP, but okay. yeah, I like, the, I like the little heads up on the employee retention credit, because yeah, for those you know, listeners that um, may not have dealt with that, it's definitely something that we've spent a lot of time here at Sickage the last week or so um, to try to look into. But yeah, let's let's maybe start with maybe the easy stuff, although it's not super easy, on PPP, and in particular you know, PPP for farmers and ranchers, because there were some um, uh, new rules, which we talked about uh, before in December, but now we've, you know, in the actual bill that was passed and signed into law the last week of December there, but now we've gotten additional guidance, like from the SBA, we've gotten the new applications and things that have been out since all this has happened here in the last 10 days or so. So yeah, lots to talk about. So PPP, um, probably the biggest thing for farmers and ranchers is that if you got your PPP loan and it was based on net profit on your Schedule F and you didn't have $100,000 of profit on Schedule F, which is, you know, pretty, pretty darn good amount of profits, you didn't get a full PPP loan last time. And um, what the SBA allows now, what Congress allows is you can basically get a full PPP loan, which is $20,833. Um, this would be for a farmer that doesn't really have any employees. You can get a max twenty thousand eight thirty three loan as long as you have at least a hundred thousand dollars of gross income on your schedule F. So uh, most farmers are probably going to have at least a hundred thousand dollars on schedule F. So maybe you only got a five thousand dollar PPP loan in the first case. You'll be able to go back to your lender, and this is not going to open up. And we'll talk timing here on a, on a few things, but this part is not going to open up until January twenty fifth. Uh, it's next Monday. Um, so yeah, we're recording this on uh, January 18th, Monday night. Um, so that's one thing is we got about a week here to to get this kind of what I'm calling kind of the redo of PPP loan for a farmer and rancher. If you if you did not get the full PPP loan in the first case because you were you did not have a hundred thousand dollars of net profit on your Schedule F. So let me ask you a question then. So I don't have a hundred thousand dollars on my my uh, Schedule F and you were giving me a scenario when we started this that I didn't qualify for PPP one the first time around, but there's there's a way back in, and then you can qualify because yeah. if you don't if you didn't qualify for PPP one, you don't qualify for PPP two, correct? 
Yep. So, yeah, I mean, there could also be a situation where, let's say you had a loss on Schedule F because, you know, you had a bunch of equipment gains on your on another schedule. Mm-hmm. And so you were, you were not eligible for PPP-1 if you have no employees and you had a loss on your Schedule F. So that's, that's the most stark thing. Now you can go back. So you don't, you don't go PPP-2 yet. We're going to talk about that next. You go back to PPP-1 and work with your lender on uh, getting this 20833 loan as long as you had $100,000 of gross income on your Schedule F. So that's the first step. Okay. But it doesn't mean that you're, that you're done for PPP-2. Okay. So outline PPP-2. So PPP-2 now. So now we're talking, you know, really for, for all people now, all, all businesses. You have The biggest thing for PPP-2 is you have to have a 25% decline in your quarterly revenues. And so that would be from 2020 to 2019. So, you know, the most likely quarter for, you know, most businesses would be, you know, second quarter 2020. Obviously when things were impacted, you look at your second quarter 2020 quarterly revenues. So, you know, April, May, June revenues as compared to April, May, June revenues of the previous year, 2019. And if that's 25% or more, then you are eligible. Now it can, but it could be any quarter. So it could be Q1 of 2020, it could be Q3, Q4, any one quarter, 25% or more decline in gross revenues makes you eligible for PPP2. Okay. Okay. So then for a farmer, you know, you, you, you apply the same rules. You have to have a 25% decline in your gross revenues. Now, how do you compute that? Well, it's based on how you report your income tax, the revenues for income tax purposes. So most farmers are going to be cash basis. So you would, you know, Primarily, be looking at your deposits, right? That's that's how you record revenue. So, it's kind of the timing of your deposits and what quarter did it hit in 2020 as compared to 2019. So, you know, um, there's there's a chance that you would be eligible just by when things were sold and deposited, right? Yeah. So that's PPP two. You have to have a 25 percent decline if you have a less than 150 thousand dollar loan for PPP two. You actually don't have to immediately um, provide that documentation for the decline, although it, you know it will be asked later. Uh, we would certainly recommend that you you know do the computations, and, and your bank may may recommend that as well. Um, but if you have an over one hundred fifty thousand dollar loan and you're required to provide support, you know it's talk to your banker, but it's going to be some sort of internal financial statement or something that's you know that shows that revenue as compared to the previous year. So that's the main thing. Is this decline in revenues for just one quarter? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So what you're trying to do then is really just go back and and then because this is this has got some kind of a lot of stuff has got some new clarification in it that wasn't there obviously in the beginning because they've changed it a hundred times. Yeah. But, but you know, as you take a look at at the different situations that are there. Just because you didn't qualify the first time, you're saying there's a chance that you could qualify the second time. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's the big thing. Um, the other, the, the, the probably the most important thing for PPP2 or the thing you can get tripped up on, and unfortunately this gets a little complicated, but you have to look at your affiliates or related companies. And so, you know, you could have several different companies you might have ownership in, and there's rules around this you don't have time to get into, but the 25% revenue decline has to be, you know, looking at all your related entities kind of together. So uh, that could either, you know, that could either hurt or help in some cases, but um, you do have to look at, again, it's, it's these affiliate rules. So, okay. Um, 
treating it as kind of one one business. So uh, keep that in mind. The other thing is uh, it's they've lowered it a little bit. It's now you're you're limited to 300 employees instead of 500 for PPP two. There there are a couple exceptions to that, like in the restaurant and hotel industry, but. As a general rule of thumb, it's three hundred, and then it is the same multiple. It's gonna it's gonna be the same two and a half times payroll, mm-hmm. um, except if you're a restaurant or hotel, it's gonna be three and a half times. But sticking to the two and a half times for most businesses, it's gonna be the same multiple you use, and even better, you can use your twenty nineteen payroll that you already submitted to your bank. You know that if you got PPP one, you submitted twenty nineteen payroll documentation, you don't have to submit that again. Gotcha. Now, the thing to keep in mind, though, would be if you really took a drop in revenues, which obviously, you know, quarterly, 25% at least, you know, if your 2020 wages are way down, you know, and your 2021 wages are going to be way down, I mean, it, it could mean that you're going to have to repay the PPP loan if you if you base it on 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you'd have to run the math on that. But the simplest thing to do less documentation, get the PPP loan the quickest is just say, Hey, I'm using the same information as before. And so whatever your PPP one loan is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of ignoring the farmer, you know, the unique rule there. Um, but you know, for most businesses, whatever that PPP loan was for the first round, will be exactly what your second draw is and, you know, should enable you to get it just a little bit quicker because of that. Just to clarify, cause now this has been back and forth and I, they finally kind of made a rule on this. The PPP loans are all, they're all, as far as from a tax <clears throat> tax perspective, they're not considered anything to do with gross income, correct? Correct, yeah. It's not going to be considered gross income. You're going to be able to deduct the wages, so there's no kind of backdoor taxability. And then, But, but do keep in mind, there are a few states, um, and I think two of them that I know of right now, just in the last few days here, I think are Wisconsin and Minnesota, uh, to the north of us here in Illinois, I believe, and this could change, but I believe those two states are going to treat the PPP, PPP money as taxable. So states can have their own rules, right? They don't okay. always have to follow the federal rules. So obviously not as significant, you know, the tax rate not as significant, but it may not be a total tax-free total situation, situation. Depending on your state legislators. Yep. So then you said all the expenses that you used can also be deductible. And is that a, yeah. a state by state thing too as well? Like some of those yeah. may or may not be yeah. able to be deducted. Correct. And I'm okay. kind of treating those as, as one of the same, Yeah, whether it's gross income or you can't deduct the expenses, the impact is the same, but yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's so you did. Yeah. Be, be mindful of that on what you can do about it. But, um, but yeah, some States, there are certain States that automatically follow federal and Illinois is one of those. And, Unless Illinois does something different, you, you know, the, the federal rules apply. Other states, I think it's called static, where, you know, they, they follow federal, you know, at, as of a certain date. But if federal changes, then the states have to kind of approve that, you know. And if, mm-hmm. and if they don't approve it, then, you know, the old state rules apply. So um, it gets a little complex with some of these states. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So you want to talk about um, the employee retention credit? Yeah, I think that's probably enough on PPP. Oh, I guess I did mention PPP is going to be opened up for everybody tomorrow. Okay. Um, which is Tuesday. You know, today is a, is a holiday, so banks are not open. But tomorrow, Tuesday, January 19th, uh, it's going to be open for all you know, all borrowers. Um, and so it could be, could be a very big day. And generally speaking, they are probably your banks and, you know, exceptions to this, but a lot more banks will be using some sort of portal 
uh, to actually apply for the for the PPP loans, uh, just because they're you know a little more advanced now, probably less paperwork and stuff, and obviously still have the COVID restrictions. So, um, be a little more of an electronic process, and then. There is also an additional kind of background check. And I think there's even like a treasury, like do not pay list that the SBA is supposed to check um, before they actually approve the second, second go of the PPP. Okay. So yeah, PPP, you know, it was pretty much the talk of everything last year. Um, the other, which was, you know, intended to uh, keep employees on the payroll, if you remember, and, you know, right. sort of less disruption. And so the other program that was passed in March last year under the CARES Act was, was this Employee Retention Credit, or ERC. And it's, so it's through the payroll tax system. It's a way to get credits or rebates back on your payroll taxes and more, though. It's, it's, it's definitely in excess of that. But the big thing was you couldn't do PPP and ERC in the same year. So people looked at it and, you know, and basically no one did ERC, at least in our office here in East Peoria. Uh, and very, very few people did it because PPP was a better deal. Um, now what the, when, when this bill got passed in December, they said, well, we're going to let you be able to use PPP and ERC in the same tax years. You don't, as long as you don't, claim the exact same wages to support both, uh, you know, programs. So um, that was a big change. And then as we'll talk about, they really changed the dollar amount of these credits for 2021. Okay. So, um, so this is all pretty, pretty new stuff because, you know, not many people dealt with it. Um, so what do you have to have for the employee retention credit for 2020? That's kind of the first question. Um, two things, door number one, door number two, I'm calling it. So there's two ways to get in. Door number one is you have to be fully or partially suspended. Basically have a government order that kind of partially or fully suspends your operations. Okay. Like a bar or restaurant or something like that. Bar, restaurant, dentist. Gotcha. Uh, okay. But there's some nuance to this and we don't have time to get into it, but it's even if, even if you're maybe just partially impacted possibly, um, you know, you had to do things differently. It's not real clear because they provided almost no guidance on this. Um, it even gets into the definition of what nominal means. Um, so there's been, there's actually, I think, like over 80 frequently asked questions that have been issued by the IRS on the employee retention credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I maybe read about one of them before, you know, a couple of weeks ago because it just didn't matter. Um, and now I've read, you know, a lot of them. And so they provide a lot of examples. Uh, and so the one example that they use, since you mentioned the restaurant, um, is, is a restaurant considered, you know, fully or partially suspended? And so you don't have to be fully suspended. Well, they say if you, if it was just curbside, you know, for a few months, you know, that's pretty clear. You know, they don't say, you know, pretty clear, but that's, that's considered fully or partially suspended. You know, if you just were limited to curbside. And then let's say you could do outdoor dining for a few months. And they say, hey, basically, you know, that's, that's still considered partially or fully suspended. And then lastly, they say, you know, eventually you were allowed to go indoor dining, but you had to space your tables six foot apart. And in that case, they actually still say you were partially suspended. So not a lot of guidance, but, you know, in that most recent example, you could, your revenues could be pretty decent, right? And, um, but still you'd be considered partially suspended. So, Okay. We're not sure it ultimately requires a legal, you know, legal opinion on, you know, what's considered partially suspended. But so that's the door number one. It's more squishy. So I got, door a, number two, I, got a, I got a question on door number one. So partially 
suspended. Did, did anything talking there about, all right, so let's just say I had, like, we had a location where COVID just ran through it, and there were 40 employees, and by the time everyone was all said and done, within a month they were down to, like, eight. Is that, mm-hmm. now, went suspended, doors still open, still doing business, those kind of things, yeah. but there was a significant amount of, um, I don't know what you want to call it. I mean, disruption in profitability and all those kind of things. I mean, does that qualify into that? I don't believe so. Um, You know, in that situation, you know, there's the, there's the, it's called the FFCRA, that paid leave credit that was kind of a new thing. Yeah, this has to be caused really by government or not not just by. Not a health, not a health department. But then more number two, this is more quantitative. It just says you have to have a more than 50% decline. So this is rather stark. You have to have a more than 50% decline in a quarter. Um, And so obviously second quarter could be the quarter that you might have that. But if you're eligible for that quarter, then, or if you do have that much of a decline, then you're in the play in play here for the ERC. So would that be inside of that quarter or the whole quarter? Good question. It's the whole quarter. Okay. Door number one, it's just for those weeks that you might have been partially or fully suspended. So it's not automatically a full quarter on gotcha. door number one. Door number two is, yes, it's the whole whole quarter's wages that you're paying. Gotcha. Okay. Very good. Now, um, the thing to realize for 2020 is 50%. Um, you then get it for the second quarter as, or the next quarter as well. Okay. This is the best. I've tried to think about how to say this, but you get if you're eligible, if you have a more than fifty percent decline for one quarter, you automatically get it for the second quarter. Okay. Okay. Not bad. Now you you will not get it for the following quarter if your revenues were back up to um, less than a twenty percent decline. So they have to be uh, more than eighty percent of what it was in the prior period. So I'll say that again. First situation is you got to have a more than fifty percent decline. And then as long as you still have a more than 20% decline in the next quarter, you'll be eligible. Um, it's only when you're, you have a quarter that you're only down, say, 19, uh, sorry, say, yeah, 19% that then you would, get, you would not get it for the following quarter after that. So, again, you're guaranteed to get two quarters if you have a more than 50% decline. Okay, okay so question. I have a 50% decline, and in 2019 I showed a loss in that particular quarter, right? I, whatever, lost, easy math, lost a thousand bucks. Do I have to have a, a $1,500 loss to, to qualify for this yeah, deal? Here? So, yeah. so we're talking about gross receipts or gross revenues. So this does not matter about profit at all. It's just what were your revenues, what were your sales for 2019? So not nothing to do with profitability at all whatsoever, right. not what you actually made, it's what you yeah, actually so took So you could in. have lower, you know, lower sales but higher profits, and that is not, you know, not, it's not a problem under these rules. Wow, okay. So, um, so yeah, you, you know, if you're in some business, you know, a commodity business or something, you know, where prices are just lower, mm-hmm. you know, by, by chance, you know, I mean, it's, so yeah, it's, I think they thought about doing something based on profit, but then you get into, you know, what's the definition of profit and owner's compensation, you know, and it's just, it's kind of messy. So, right. So, so if you're selling $3 corn in March yeah, and in April, yeah, well, actually yep. it's been about June. So about, you know, you're selling $3 corn in that time frame. odds yep. are you could, you could show that, right? Yep. So um, now the credit that we haven't talked about the dollar amount of the credit um, for 2020. So these rules change for 21, but for 2020, it's you only get it on ten thousand dollars of wages. 
for the for per employee per year, so for all 2020, and the credit is 50%. So the maximum dollar is $5,000 credit per person. Okay. Mm-hmm. Isn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but again, when people looked at PPP, it was probably a better deal to do PPP. So that's the 2020 rules. Um, you you file this, you do this through the payroll tax system. You know, you don't go through a bank. Um, you you file it on you know payroll tax forms like Form 941, and there's some other ways to do it. But um, that's how you get it back is through the payroll tax system by really not either by not paying it in, in the first place or by asking for it back if you've already paid it in. You know, because obviously if you're in a certain quarter doing payroll and you don't know you're going to have a decline, right, you'd still be doing your normal payroll deposits. And then, then you determine after the quarter that, hey, I had a more than, you know, 50% decline. Then you would get that back through filing this uh, Form 941, it's called, which is a quarterly tax return where the Social Security taxes, the Medicare taxes, the federal income taxes are remitted to the government from payroll. It's a lot of stuff so, there, Glenn. I found that was a person that, you know, it's not bad. But let's talk about 2021, why this is going to be such a big deal. Okay. Okay. Instead of having having to have a more than 50% decline in your quarterly revenues, you just have to have a more than 20% decline. Okay. So it's actually a better threshold than PPP, which is 25%. PPP2, which is 25%. So, so the easiest example would be if I look at my first quarter 2021 revenues and I compare them not to Q1 of 2020, but I compare them to first quarter 2019. Okay, so you're going back a couple of years, and if I have a more than 20% decline, then I'm in play for ERC for first quarter. If you have no employees, does that not work? You can't qualify so, for this? So, yeah, that's a good point. ERC yeah. is not, I'm glad you mentioned that, is not for people who are self-employed, who just have self-employed earnings. Gotcha. You actually have to have payroll on this. Okay. Gotcha. Wages paid to other people, or no, it could be yourself too, but yeah. If you're not filing a Form 941, because that's where you file payroll tax returns, there's some there's some exceptions like you know different agriculture forms, but but if you don't have any sort of payroll, you're not going to get this ERC. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I forgot to mention one thing for 2020. If you know, so we talked about ten thousand dollars per employee, mm-hmm. wages, five thousand dollar credit. Well, on what employees do you get this credit on? Well, if you had under 100 employees, it was on all employees. You got the credit. If you had more than 100 employees, it was just on people who you were paying not to work. So, you know, for the bigger companies, I mean, there might be a few of those people, but it wouldn't be a huge credit, right? Because it's just on people you're paying not to work. But if you were a small company under 100 employees, it'd be on every single person you had. So, wow, okay. So if you have 50 employees, you got. Shot it, fifty thousand bucks or five five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, five hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's a pretty big deal um, if you're considered a small employer, and and they change that they change that rule um, to make. We'll we'll talk about that next. So yeah, be two hundred fifty thousand dollars, I believe. Fifteen people times five grand, two hundred fifty grand. Um, okay, so 2021, we talked about this 20% decline in revenue, more than 20% decline technically. So definitely a lower bar. Um, now, what's what they do to the amounts? Well, they said it's $10,000 per quarter per employee. Not $10,000 per year, $10,000 per quarter. 
That's a big help. They, they increase the credit from 50% to 70%. So the maximum credit per employee, if you're following along at home, is $10,000 times 70% per quarter, $7,000 per quarter. And the ERC right now is available for the first two quarters. It'd be fourteen thousand dollars per employee. And if you're under hundred, all hundred get that qualified. And for that. they change that rule. Instead of being under hundred, it's under five hundred, and that's the big deal. Okay, it's massive. <clears throat> if you're under five hundred or equal to now, you have to look at your affiliation rules. We mentioned that on the PPP. You got to be careful that you know you don't have to link yourself in with other companies. But it's very very big because it's 500 employees. So it's only the, you know, the companies that are over 500 that would get it just for paying people to stay home, not to work. So it's, it's really massive if you do the math on that, obviously. <laughs> it's a big number. It's a real big number. So um, that's why we've been focused on it a lot um, because it, it has the potential to be very big. And again, you can as long as you're not using the same wages, you can claim you know PPP during certain certain months. So you know there's this whole how do you how do you want to order this? But as long as you're not claiming the exact same wages, you can you can get both PPP and ERC. Um, now PPP is opening is opened up and it's available through March 31st, assuming obviously the money doesn't run out. So there is you know some time, and the longer you wait, in theory, or more than in theory. The longer you wait, then you could maybe, you know, use those wages, you know, right now to do ERC and then do PPP later. But the risk there is obviously that the money runs out. So I'm not sure I would recommend that. Um, so it's a real, it's a real challenge and they've issued no guidance on how to do this. Really. You're supposed to be able to catch this up, like on your fourth quarter payroll tax return, uh, which that is due February 1st. So it's not that far away. Um, I, we're not hopeful that there's going to be guidance. So if you've already filed your payroll tax return, which, you know, nothing against having done that, you'll just have to do like, you know, this all, you know, we all get guidance on this. We'll just have to do like an amended payroll tax return to get this money back. And then, you know, how soon, how soon will they respond and all that stuff is another matter. Um, but it's entirely through your payroll system. No banks involved on ERC. Okay, so you've got you got a slide in here where you talk about a new a new uh, new law that came out, a regulation that came out. It says PPP loan and ERC together is okay as long as you don't use them on the same wages. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, let's talk about this. Okay. We kind of over it. So so we're kind of going back to 2020 here a little bit. You know, let's say you know you probably let's say people got a PPP loan for 2020. We didn't think we'd get ERC. And then let's say you had that 50% decline or you were partially suspended. And again, just for a few weeks, it could be, you know, and another example in in the frequently asked questions was a hospital. You know, if a hospital could not, or some sort of medical practice, if you could only do like emergency surgeries and elective surgeries were not allowed for a few weeks or a month, then that portion of time you could get this ERC credit on. Now it wouldn't be as big, right? But, Mm -hmm. and so the question is, well, what if I already claimed my wages on PPP, and I claimed too much wages because it really didn't matter. You know, you had a $250,000 PPP loan and you claimed, you know, $400,000 of wages on there. Does that mean that extra $150,000 of wages can't be used for ERC? That's the question. No one really knows the answer. Uh, You know, in other words, you put wages on the PPP form. Does that mean you can't use them for ERC? 
I'm not sure I would go that far because you really didn't need that extra $150,000 of wages, if you follow me. But, right. but you know, then you've got the timing of what quarter and, me, you know, so it's what wages are you even talking about? So that's what we don't have guidance on how these two interrelate. The, S, the SBA, so the Small Business Administration's PPP program, and then you have the IRS, the Department of Treasury's employee retention credit. And so both of these departments of the government are going to have to talk to each other and kind of coordinate this. So you can imagine how complex that's going to be, right? And so we may not have guidance for a while. All right, so question I have then, okay, so get a PPP loan. Let's say I get a $100,000 PPP loan back in, in April or whenever. Yep. Um, so I'm starting to <clears throat> go through there, and I, I do, the, do the loan. You know, I've got – all my wages and stuff against there and I paid rent utilities and interest and all the other stuff to kind of offset to satisfy the whole hundred thousand dollars. Now I qualify for the ERC. I can't obviously go back and, and take against against the wages, but what about the other stuff like rent utilities, interest, et cetera? I mean, what about those kind of things? Yeah. So that would be, so, you know, I guess one of the takeaways here for this podcast is if you have not filed for your 2020 PPP forgiveness yet, because you have 10 months after the end of your covered period, which for a lot of people might have ended, like, say, the end of September. So you have until, like, the end of July of 2021 to do it. So if you have not filed your PPP forgiveness yet and you think you might be eligible for this ERC, you really would not want to claim any wages if you can help it. You know, you'd want to, you'd want to make sure you use up the rent. That's what you're talking about. Use right. up the rent, the utilities, the interest. Now, there might be more, there is possibly more documentation you have to provide. It's kind of a pain to have to provide like the lease agreement to the bank. But then even better, there's additional uh, expenses that you can claim for PPP. Uh, things like um, plexiglass shields, this was added in. Um, even like looting for where you weren't covered by insurance. Um, essential operating supplies, which is not 100% even what that means to be very honest, but it's that's what's in the law. And then the last one, is things like uh, cloud computing, um, things that you know maybe you had to incur because more people are working from home. So there's even more. There's four more categories of expenses that you possibly would want to claim again to try to preserve these wages for the ERC. But do remember the maximum qualified wages for ERC is ten thousand dollars per quarter. That you actually can include health insurance as well. So it may be that you may not be limited. But unfortunately, it just requires you having to look at your, your quarterly payroll, you know, seeing when were you partially suspended, mm-hmm. you know, ma- watching out for limitations. Uh, we haven't talked about there's a limitation, we believe, on ERC that you can't, you can only really claim yourself as an owner and probably your spouse, not 100% on that one. So you cannot claim like a brother, a sister, your parents, your grandparents. I mean, the idea is, you know, I mean, obviously we're talking about a lot of family businesses here, which, you know, at least in our experience, there's generally a number of families, you know, family people working together. But what they, the reason why they have this rule in there is they didn't want you to go hire your aunts, your uncle, right? And just right. put people on payroll just to get the retention credit. So as a result, it's pretty restrictive on, on the number of employees. I mean, it's, it's pretty much yourself and your spouse. But so you got to watch out for that limitation. And the overall limitation again is five thousand dollars per person. Um, so it's but it's so it's pretty complex to do all this math and see what wages you need. And but again, if the best thing to do is not claim, you know, before we're like, hey, PPP, let's claim wages because that's probably the simplest thing to do. You, you've got you know more more uh, filings for that. It's just easier just claim P, 
wages on PPP. Now it's like, well, if you think you're eligible for ERC, you really should try to claim everything you can but wages to possibly preserve that for the ERC. So it's totally shifted on us here. But it, it's, in many cases, it may not matter. You know, it depends on what quarter we're talking about. Um, so that's, that's, but again, there is no guidance on how this works. Is there an ordering rule? Um, what if you did have an extra $100,000 of rent that you did not, you know, you didn't put on the form for PPP? Can you, you know, say that, well, I could have put that on there? You, you understand. I mean, it's, it could be really messy. Right. There's a million moving parts here. So, um, so that's kind of where we're at there. Uh, the only other thing just uh, came to my mind here. If you, for PPP, we talked about this on the podcast in December. If you have a under $150,000 loan, there is going to be this rubber stamp or almost rubber stamp, or it's going to be very, very simple to get forgiveness. Three things you have to know, uh, your loan amount, uh, the number of employees you've retained and the estimated payroll costs. That's pretty much it. You'll be able to get forgiveness. That form is supposed to come out here the next, I would think, day or so, because I think it was 24 days from when the bill was signed. So that would be another thing is if you have not filed for forgiveness and you have a loan under $150,000, you know, just wait a few more days and let's see what this form is supposed to be like, because it's going to be even easier than the three previous forms that we already have. So if you're tracking it home, Casey, we have the long form 3508, we have an easy form 3508, we have a simple 3508S. So we already have three forgiveness forms. Now we're going to have a fourth one. So, so you got the hard, the easy, the simplified, yeah. and then is this going to yeah, be super, super simple? Su- this, that yeah, kind of super simple. So, gotcha. Right on. But wait on that because that'll you know, it'll be super simple. Hopefully. <clears throat> right on. All right. One. Yeah. Anything else you want to cover on that, Glenn? Uh, the, the only other thing on the ERC is we we talked about this on PPP. PPP is not going to be taxable at least federally. The ERC is going to be treated as taxable income, okay. so that, that is a wrinkle to think about. So it's gotcha. not quite as good. Right you will have to treat it as taxable income. Okay. All right. One question I want to ask you about taxes going into uh, 21 with the new administration coming in, um, especially when, it, when you're looking at you know farm ground and succession plans, farming succession plans, those kind of things. What are your thoughts on capital gain taxes and estate taxes? Are you seeing some drastic changes there, or do you see kind of more of the same that we've seen here uh, during Trump's administration? Yeah, I mean, so looking at the crystal ball on this, um, I mean, I, I think for sure taxes are going to go up. Um, how much they go up is a little bit questionable because, you know, yes, I mean, it's, it's 50-50 in the Senate, and, you know, obviously the vice president breaks the tie, but still you have any, you know, any one senator. I mean, it's very tight. Uh, I, you know, our sense is nothing's going to happen retroactive back to January 1st of 2021, you know, this current year we're in, which isn't everything, but, you know, I think that's pretty safe or actually real, real safe. But for 2022, could, could taxes go up? I think, I think the answer is almost assuredly yes. Um, might take a little bit, you know, with the pandemic and how this all shakes out, but Estate taxes, you know, with, when tax reform happened in December 2017, the exemption was doubled um, from, f- these are now inflation adjusted, but originally it was 5 million, it doubled to 10, but but it's kind of a reference point back a few years. But So could it go back to five adjusted for inflation, which might be, you know, 6 million or something? Um, yeah, pro- probably. Um, 
could the C corporation tax rate go back up? You know, it was 34, 35% and went down to 21%. Uh, could it go back up to 25 or 28%? Yeah, probably. Um, capital gains, what Biden has proposed is if you have over a million dollar capital gain, you would get taxed at um, the highest ordinary rate, which is currently 37%, instead of like a capital gains rate that might only be around 20%. So. That's possible on a really large capital gain. And then, um, you know, Biden is talking, this number still gets, you know, said a lot, $400,000, if you've seen that number. You know, taxes will not go up on anyone making less than $400,000. So, you know, if you're one of those people lucky enough to be making more than $400,000, probably your taxes are going to go up. You know, Biden has talked about removing um, the Section 190A deduction, you know, the 20% deduction for those high income people. So, you know, simple math, you know, if you're making a million dollars of income right now, you're only actually paying tax on 80,000 because, or 800,000 because of the 198 deduction, the 20% deduction, you know, that, that would go away. You know, at least that's, that's the intent of what the new administration wants to do. So how much of this will actually happen, you know, um, because the Republic, you know, the, the majority in the house is only, I'm forgetting a little bit, but it's only maybe seven or eight seats. Yeah, it's, it's less than it's, 10. Yeah. It doesn't take much. And I, I think I looked back at this, and may have mentioned this on a podcast, but I looked back to 1993, um, which is before my professional time, where there was a retroactive tax increase, you know, when Clinton came in, it was passed in August of 93. Um, but the House had like, you know, 40, 40 to 45 Democrat advantage. And I think, you know, only passed like five votes, you know, five votes. And the Senate had like a seven or eight advantage and it. It was 50-50 and Vice President Al Gore broke the tie. So, yeah. so it's, it's going to have to be something a little, a little less stark, I think, and particularly with COVID happening. But, mm -hmm. you know, you look out to the future, you know, with the stimulus money that's being spent, right, I any mean, taxes are, it would seem like they're going to have to go up. Now, the other thing they, that's been talked about is that, the social security tax right now, social security tax is only assessed on the first $140,000. It's a little higher than that. I think it might be 142,800, but about $140,000 of wages. Okay. Okay. And after that, it's just the Medicare tax. Well, the social security tax is 6.2% employee, 6.2% employer. So what Biden's talking about is, you know, leaving that the same. So from like 140,000 to 400,000, he'd still have this, you know, existing rules. But then for those people making over 400,000, that 6.2% employer, 6.2% employee would come back in. Gotcha. And be taxed. So that would be a pretty, you know, significant tax increase as well. You know, on the, you know, this, this would affect, you know, the corporate executives and, right, a lot of people would get impacted there. Any thoughts on the, $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus three or four, no. whatever we're up to now. Yeah. I haven't looked at it a ton. Um, I mean, I was talking the child tax credit or, um, you know, the, the different child tax credit, the economic impact payments and stuff, but yeah, I haven't really super dug into it. Cause it's pretty, you know, there's not a whole lot of structure around what this means, but so that could be yeah, another... it's going to be a waiting game. And, but I think at some point we're going to know the tax rates are going to be higher, you know, next year, you know, and then that might, you know, what that's going to do is cause people to, well, maybe I'll just wait to spend money the following year. Right. Right. Because we get it. So that, that will, 
you know, be, be mindful of that. Um, you know, that, that now obviously you got to wait a whole year to get the benefits. So you have to weigh that, but you know, if I can get a 40% deduction next year and only get a 30% deduction this year, I might wait to spend my money the following year. So that, that'll probably come into play at some point here. Right on, man. Well, good stuff, Glenn. This is a lot of great information here. Folks need to get some more information about what we've talked about here or just kind of get your lay of the land. What, what's the, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, it's best to call our office here at Sickage. And, you know, we just have, you know, the office that I'm in is the East Peoria office, but there's, there's, you know, many other offices um, in the Midwest here primarily, but our number here is 309-694-4251. That's the best number to reach me. Um, or you can, you know, look, look it up on the website, www.sikich.com. Um, we generally do put out, uh, you know, articles and things to try to keep, keep our, clients informed and then you can always look me up on twitter at glenn Birnbaum, um, where we try to try to stay on top of the latest things that are breaking so right that's on. the three ways so let's uh make sure you look glenn up he's got great information out there on that twitter feed and uh plenty of people chime in that that know uh know what they're talking about so uh glenn thanks for being on the podcast tonight no problem. Thank you, Casey. All right, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast when they come out. Go to movingironllc.com. Uh, revamped it quite a bit, so if you want to see what, what Glenn looks like or and, and go learn more about what he's got going on there, he, Glenn's got his own page uh, there on the Moving Iron LLC um, website. It's under uh, podcast, and just go down to Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Click that button and it'll give you all the information about Glenn and how to get a hold of him. Also, check out uh, all the other stuff out there too with the commodity guys. You know, Sean and Sean Hackett and Chip Nellinger both are on there too. So check that out. You get to see everybody that's involved in the Moving Iron Podcast and and kind of a little bit of uh, how the sausage is made there a little bit. So um, Tractor Zoom is a great place to to go out and uh, find what's going on at the auction market. If you're looking to do that, uh, check out Iron Comps uh, when you. Uh, buy iron comps yeah check out use moving iron and you get yourself a discount so make sure you take advantage of that so with that i am casey seymour with glenn birnbaum let's go move some iron folks out moving iron in the 21st century hard-working people working hard for you and me moving iron time and time again You'll find us here